Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Today, we're, we're starting a brand new series. I want to start off with a question. Uh, have you ever had an event that you've, you know, um, experienced and you, re- you recognize it's an event that... Um, that really is meant to be more than just kind of like a date on the calendar. It's more significant than that because of its beauty, because of its power, because of its impact, because of what it does in your life and ongoing. And it lasts way more than a day. And that's, that's the kind of event that Easter is. Too often we just kind of look at Easter as a date on the calendar. And I know that happens in, in secular culture, but even in the church sometimes it's like Easter happened, cool, let's move on, what's next? And the church over centuries, I think in their wisdom, uh, they, they created a, a, what I call a discipleship calendar. Some people call it the, le- the lectionary or the church year. And that's one of the reasons we lean into Advent before we celebrate Christmas, why we lean into Lent before we celebrate the resurrection. And in this discipleship calendar or this, this, this church year, we have this 50-day season called Eastertide called go figure right after Easter Eastertide and it's a combination of a couple of things Uh, one it's part of the 40 days that Jesus was visible to people after the resurrection after they discovered he had risen from the dead he had spent time with people he hung out with people he showed himself to people he ate breakfast with the disciples on the beach he he continued to speak and teach he showed people around him multitudes that he was alive and this happened happened for 40 days and interestingly enough 40 is a pretty interesting number in the bible where significant things happen over a 40 day period you guys can read that on your own but after jesus ended those 40 days he ascended into heaven into god's space and he told his disciples to wait for 10 days because he was going to send what he promised which was the holy spirit and so the disciples are waiting for those 10 days and on the day of pentecost the holy spirit shows up god's very spirit and pours into these disciples in a fresh way and it happens to be the same day that israel would be celebrating what's called jubilee which helped their community cancel their debts the things that would bring them down maybe a difficult time in their life they had to sell themselves or their possessions and then live poorly and the 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 day of jubilee or the year of jubilee allowed them to start from scratch so i want you to put all these images in your head jesus rises from the dead he he's shows himself for 40 days to his disciples and others they wait for 10 more days and then the holy spirit shows up and the church is launched. This is a 50-day period, and this is what's known as Eastertide. And it really kind of moves from feasting, uh, sorry, from fasting to feasting. Many people will fast during Lent as a way to just give themselves fully to the Lord. But once Easter happens, they stop fasting, and they throw a party, and they start feasting. And you don't just feast, and then that's it. You just, you keep feasting. And that's what Eastertide is, this season of celebration. An early church father named Tertullian said that Easter season is the most joyous space, kind of like an extended party. Have you ever gone on a month long vacation? I have, I've never been to like, uh, like, um, a destination wedding, but I'm assuming that when you go to a destination wedding, the party lasts the whole week. It's not like just the day and Easter tide is kind of like that, this extended party. 
Because, here's the reason, everything we do as Christ followers, who we are, what we're about, the life God leads us in, flows out of the resurrection. It's so significant that the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the early church, says, if the resurrection didn't happen, we're all wasting our time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our faith is futile. We're all wasting our time. And so today I want to start a new series. And I I think I want to call it more of like a new season because it's not just a series. We want to enter into a season called Eastertide. And the way we want to describe it over the next 50 days, literally, is living in the wake of the resurrection. So we know the resurrection happened. We know we celebrated Easter last week, but we want to live into that in the wake of the resurrection. And today we're starting this way. We want to start looking at how the resurrection birthed a community, how, how, a, how the church emerged out of the resurrection. If you've got your Bibles here at home, turn to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read just a few verses from verse 32, Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts, in fact, for the next several weeks, uh, I decided that instead of trying to think or of ways or scripture that we could share, I would actually follow the, Easter t- the Eastertide texts uh, from the lectionary. And they all start off in the book of Acts. So from week to week, we're going to take a portion of the book of Acts and alongside it some Psalms and other Gospels and Old Testament texts to help us celebrate this. But today is Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and um, we find ourselves way past the resurrection as the church is already emerging. So here's, here's these words. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Let's just pause for a moment and pray. God, as we enter this season, as we enter the scriptures right now, God, captivate our hearts and mind. Help us to lean into the resurrection in all of its fullness, God, starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we notice from this text is a community emerges. There is a sense of community here. That's the first big idea. And, And the writer says, Luke says, all believers are together. There's already what's happening as Luke writes the history of the church. There's an identifiable community emerging. That's the church. The church is being formed. They have this shared identity. They have this shared life together. And in fact, Luke describes it this way, that they have one heart and one soul. That doesn't mean that they're a a political tribe or maybe have some philosophical alignment. Although some aspects of being a tribe or having alignment is true. What Luke is getting at when he says soul, heart and soul is they're actually a spiritual family. They're, they're a tangible community. They, Luke tells us they shared everything they had. In other words, they didn't, they didn't look at their stuff and says, this is only for me. This is just my own. They looked at their stuff and said, oh, maybe there's others that have need. There was some shift that took place in them and as this community built. And Luke tells us it was so significant that there was no needy person among them. 
That, that the people that had a need, somehow those needs were beginning to be met because of what was going on in this community that started to emerge. This doesn't come out of nowhere. This is also alluding back to Deuteronomy chapter 15, where in the Old Testament, we see Israel starting to be shaped as a community. This, this community of justice, this community of peace, this community of shalom, which we find that God is shaping his people to be a contrast to the world around them. And when God calls Israel to be a covenant community with him and with others, this starts to emerge. In fact, Deuteronomy 15 mentions that they should be a people where there's no needy among them. And so this early church that emerges out of the resurrection chooses to live on less so others could live. What a crazy idea. And it became such a staple. It became so true of this community emerging that later when the church starts to grow and multiply and, and live this out, the apostle Paul tells one church when he writes them a letter, he says, hey, listen, don't abuse the generosity in the community. If you're able to work, go and work, be a contributor, be a collaborator. It almost gets to the point where some are like maybe leaning too much on the generosity. So Paul's like, hey, uh, everyone should be working with their abilities here. And so it's interesting that it gets, it becomes so ingrained in them that Paul also has to correct some to say, uh, you can do some work too. So what happens is it's clear. The church doesn't just become this, doesn't become this forced social system because someone would have to have wealth to give wealth, have possessions to give possessions. But this family-like community emerges out of the resurrection, this family that's generous and hospitable and selfless, this, this group of people that look after each other and collaborate with one another. And it becomes this contrast to the Roman Empire around them, and it becomes a contrast even to the community around the temple system of the Jews. This community, the church, starts to look different than Rome, different than the temple, and it all happens, Luke tells us, because great grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. That's what he describes. He says this great grace is at work in all of them. Or other versions say a great grace poured over them. And as a result, they start to live something different. The word grace in the New Testament is the word charis. And if you've ever heard the word charismatic, you know, referring to the work of the Holy Spirit uh, or the church, that's where the word comes from. Charis is a gift. That's what the word means. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to those who believe in Christ. It's a gift that's not deserved, deserved or earned, but it's God's very spirit that fills us and walks with us. And those people that emerged, this community that emerged of the resurrection, they were experiencing the charis, the gift of the Holy Spirit poured over them. And this began because they had put their trust in Jesus. They chose to believe in the resurrection, to follow the resurrected Christ. And as a result, this union takes place between them and Jesus. It's not just a mental belief. It's this allegiance to Christ. And as a result, this union starts to be formed between them and Christ. And this new life starts to emerge in them. And it starts to overflow in the other people who have had union with Christ through believing in the resurrected Christ. And that overflows and it starts to, they start to share with one another. And Luke gives us a clue into why this happened. It starts with the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything. 
And as people began to live in light of that, live in the wake of the resurrection, they, they, this was like a tangible difference in their decisions, in their life, in this community that was forming. And so what we see here is not, not just a community. It's not just a group of people that forms. It's not just a group of people that decide to have some social ethic or some behaviors. This is a resurrection community. This is a community that's actually founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what Luke says in verse 33. He says, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Like, here's these, these few verses. You know, Luke tells us about this community in the beginning and the end, and right in the middle, the sandwich inside, what's inside the sandwich is the resurrection. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so here's the apostles. They're communicating the core message of Jesus, the core message that this Jesus, that God sent, who died and was buried, is risen from the dead. And that meant that God's plan, that God's person, Jesus, was right on the money. That God's plan was at work. That God's plan was being fulfilled. That, that God's promised future uh, creation was actually going to come because they saw it happen in Jesus. The resurrection of life, of creation, of newness that God promises in the future was already starting to see, be seen in Jesus. And the death and burial accomplished freedom from sin and death, and his resurrection points to this new creation. And Jesus told his disciples back in the end of John 20, after the resurrection happens, he says, just like the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He sent them out to preach this message. There's a, a church historian, um, one of my favorites, his name is Yarslov Pelikan. When you listen to him teach or write, it's like he lives in 20 centuries. The guy knows like so much about the church over the last 2,000 years. And uh, he, he said this, he says, the resurrection was the burden of the apostolic message. The resurrection was the burden of the apostolic message. Tim Keller this week, I think online, posted this. He said, the early Christians did not believe because they wanted to believe. They didn't believe just because it was an inspiring story. They believed because the evidence was so overwhelming, they were forced to believe in it in spite of everything they actually thought. And the resurrection became the core message of the church. And while everything we read in the church creeds is core to Christianity, the resurrection is like the kernel, the core, the center, the power of our message to the world. And it changes things because it's so powerful. So this church emerged from the resurrection. When we think of life and faith in the wake of the resurrection, one of the things that, that emerges is a community called the church. Here's how, how John describes it. And I, I slightly mentioned it last week during Easter. But in, uh, in 1 John chapter 1, just, just a verse there. As he's, as here's John writing, he's in his 70s or 80s. There's a new, new generation of seekers, new generation of Christians. And, and he, we read from it this morning. But I want to just highlight verse 3 where he says, uh, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us and fellowship and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. John proclaims 
everything he saw and heard, including him as an eyewitness to the resurrection and an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus. And as he proclaims that, he believes that something happens, that lives are changed. But he also sees, because he's seen it over decades now, post the resurrection, that preaching this message, sharing who Jesus is, is a gateway into fellowship. And he mentions two kinds of fellowship. Fellowship with each other, but fellowship ultimately with God. And, and he's, he's helping us see that, that this reconciliation that God longed for the world, this reconciliation between humanity and God and humanity and people was now made possible through the cross and resurrection of Christ. And it was beginning to form this new kind of family that had fellowship with God, but also fellowship with each other. He's preaching and teaching this message so they will have fellowship with him and the church at the time. And because they have discovered that they have found fellowship with God in Christ because of this message. The word for fellowship in the original language is this word coin or koinonia. It means like a common bond. It means a shared house or goods, kind of like a, a business metaphor. You know, we, we've entered into this relationship. There's these shared goods, these shared benefits. It's this binding or joining together, but it's even deeper than that. It, it kind of it indicates this kind of table fellowship where we're around the table and everything at that table is shared. This joining together of family and the beauty of what that means when you think of our fellowship with God is that God's very own self is shared with us when we come to follow and believe in Christ. God himself, he shares himself with his people. And as a result of sharing himself and I receive God's life and you receive God's life and you receive God's life all of, all of a sudden we realize we're all we're all sharing in God's life together now we have fellowship with each other too and so this is the beauty of what's happening here now now just imagine for a second why this new life overflowed into meeting overflowed into meeting each other's needs because someone so big so beautiful so good so true as God himself pours himself shares himself with you and with me and that overflows into our relationship. That overflows into how we live. That overflows in how I view my possessions. That overflows with how I view my income and how I view my life. All of a sudden it overflows into that and it overflows into everyone who's experienced this and it brings them together and they emerge into a community that was founded on the resurrection. It came out of the resurrection. So even we as a church, those of us who are here, those of us who are online, our local church exists because the resurrection happened. We would not be part of the local church in line with the church universal over the centuries if the message of the resurrection wasn't shared over history and with us. Because the, the resurrection and the resurrected Christ launches us into new life, launches us into fellowship. And I want you to see kind of the, the two things happening at once that Luke alludes to. And I'll say it in this phrase. It's going to be on the screen. And it's just two sentences, two phrases that I think really helps us. So here's the first phrase. And we've already established this, right? The resurrection flows out of the resurrection message. Oh, sorry. The resurrection community, the church, flows out of the resurrection message. But look what happens as well. And we also see it in this text. The resurrection message 
flows out of a resurrection community. It's almost like Luke is telling us there's great power when you share the message of the resurrection. But Luke also is letting us know that when a community that is is founded on the resurrection exists and functions, they also, in a sense, give validity and power to the message they're sharing because there's a congruity, there's a sense of connection. The message we're sharing is being lived. The message we're sharing starts with us. The, the, The life that we're inviting people into, we've already experienced ourselves. So the resurrection community flows out of the resurrection message and a resurrection message flows out of a resurrection community. That's why we can't stop sharing the message of the resurrection. It's reciprocal. The early church powerfully shared the message of the resurrection because that message had power because of who Jesus was and what God accomplished. But the community that lived out of the resurrection gives power to that message when it's shared. And you know exactly what that feels like when you talk to someone who's experienced it, when you talk to someone who's living something, it gives validity, it gives power to that message. And so we see both these things happening. So as we kind of just kick off today and starting this, this Easter tide and, and really kind of understanding how this church emerged, I want to just think about a couple of things as we wrap up. Personally, I want us to remember, just to remind ourselves, we are not follower, followers of Christ. We don't have the promises of God just based on a metaphor or a thought or some good feelings. We, we didn't just adopt Christian ideas or behaviors. That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. We actually believe, personally believe in the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus. So personally, what I want to say is, especially if you're following today and you're thinking, I want to be a Christian. I want to, I want to know God. I want to live this. I want to lean into this. Here's something I'm going to tell you not to do. Don't just adopt Christian ideas. Don't just adopt Christian principles. Don't just adopt Christian practices. The start of this, the foundation for you and as for all of us is to believe in the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus. That's where God's power is. Then communally, I want to say it this way too. You can't, we can't be We can't believe in the resurrection and the resurrected Christ and not be part of the church. The the community of the church emerged out of the resurrection. The church emerged out of this. What I want to say by this, and especially if in these days when it feels like the church is distant or the church is disconnected or I can kind of like live my faith on my own or just let me think Christian thoughts or read my Bible, I want you to know, I want you to know that you cannot believe in the resurrection and the resurrected Christ and not be part of the church. The local church that Christ established emerged out of the resurrection and you can't have one without the other. There, it's a both and thing. So communally, and especially if, if you've just been learning about Christ or, or following along and you wonder like, maybe I can do this live stream thing forever. Maybe I can just learn on my own. It's like, no, no, no. We, we're called as we believe in Christ and the resurrection into community. And then the last thing I want to say is this, especially in our world, as secularism is growing, and you know, we live in one of the most secular provinces or pockets of North America here in Quebec, and sometimes it's easy to 
um, think of, you know, because the resurrection is a pretty crazy thing, right? I mean, Jesus rose from the grave. He wasn't resuscitated. He, he wasn't sleeping. He, he, didn't, he wasn't in a coma and then, you know, woke up. He was dead and he rose from the grave. And that might seem crazy to people. It should seem crazy to people, right? When we proclaim the resurrection, we, we truly must proclaim the physical resurrection of Jesus. We can't detour from that. We must cling to it, not detour from the message of the resurrection. A pocket of the church in the West made this shift in the early 1900s. And some Bible scholars started to say, you know what, maybe we could look at the resurrection as a metaphor. And you know what, metaphorically, it's amazing. As we look at this story, Oh, wow, we can find, just like a flower emerges from a seed, we can emerge like this resurrection story. And even if it's not, maybe it's not true, maybe it didn't really happen, but it's okay because metaphorically, if we lean into it, uh, it, it's still good because we can lean into loving people and caring for people and having to transform life. And over time, churches that leaned into the metaphor of the resurrection, not the reality of it, started to dwindle and find weakness and struggle and they focused on good deeds and justice, and that's fine. But over time, they lost their strength. They lost their heart. They lost their life. Now, don't get me wrong. Good deeds and justice, it's part of the gospel. The gospel impl- you know, implicates us in social behavior. But Christianity loses its power without the resurrection. Without the resurrection. And those who have trusted in the resurrection have seen lives transformed. Because when we put our trust in the resurrected Jesus, a union takes place. A personal relationship takes place. And God's very own spirit fills us and leads us. And you know, this is still happening today. There was someone who joined us on Good Friday. And I haven't seen this person for a couple of years. And just about four or five weeks prior to Good Friday, someone shared one of our Sunday messages. Uh, we had a guest that day who had, who had shared um, the message of the gospel in kind of one shot, and this person listened to that, listened that day. And just something just happened. As he began to listen and lean in and put his faith and trust, he started to sense that God was actually working in him. And it was amazing. Over the, la- over the last three, four weeks, he started to grow and experience change and started to recognize maybe I should connect with this community that emerged out of the resurrection and showed up on Good Friday. And I thought that was amazing. That just shows that the power of the resurrected Jesus when preached and proclaimed and someone puts their faith and trust in it, something happens. And so this next season, what I want us to do as a church, I want us to really lean into Eastertide Because Easter is more than just a date on the calendar. Your birthday is a date on the calendar. Mother's Day is a date on the calendar. New Year's is a day on the calendar. Easter is not just a date on the calendar. So I want to invite us as a church, and those of you who are following with us, to immerse ourselves in the power of the resurrection. We're going to post some scriptures on our website later on today, and we'll have them weekly. Three or four texts that just lean into the theme of the day. And just a simple way for us to grow in this and immerse ourselves is just to take those three or four texts and not to, you don't have to read it all in one shot, but you can just slowly read it over the week just so we can live and lean into the wake of the resurrection 
Every day on Facebook Live when we do our morning prayer, we're going to choose one of those texts. I'm going to preach uh, one of those texts at the beginning of the week, and then we'll just slowly move into this so we can see as we're praying, as we're growing, as we're reading, as we're coming off of Sunday, but then in the week, we want to trust that the life and community that emerged out of the resurrection in the first century will be revitalized in us as a people, as a church, as a follower of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you. We are just blown away. I'm blown away by the power of the resurrection. And at times in my own humanness, and many of us can sometimes dilute or detour away from the message of the resurrected Jesus. Yet God, we can testify over history that that is the message when embraced and followed as we align ourselves with with Christ truly transforms. So we thank you. We thank you that we exist because the resurrection happened. That we exist because Christ, the resurrected Lord, is building his church. We exist and can live and move and follow you and partner with you on mission in our world because as a result, you sent your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And God, we so long for the world to experience this reconciliation with you and with others. And God, though, though we fail at times in what it truly means to be a resurrected community, though at times there will be pockets of what we do that fail miserably, We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you still lead us and guide us and that there's still a glimpse of your power at work in us pointing to new creation. And empower us, God, to live into that. Empower us to be that kind of community, that charis, gift, grace community that overflows as we interact with each other, as we serve one another, as we pay attention to each other's needs and as that overflows to the world around us. That's all founded on the resurrection and the resurrected Lord. God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com slash giving. Until next time, peace.